Hello, welcome to Why Not Me. In life, we face many trials and obstacles, many challenges, and in the thick of it, we can be tempted to think, why me? But every obstacle presents an opportunity and every trial can bring triumph. So I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of, why not me? When, when in the middle of it, when things are tough, look around and think, why not me? It's, it's happening for a purpose. And then when success is at your doorstep and all you have to do is open it, you may find yourself hesitating, questioning, is this for me? Do I deserve this? And I wanna encourage you to adapt a mindset of why not me? Throw the door open wide, shout to the world, why not me? Embrace your success. I'm your coach, Todd Halls. I'm grateful to have you on this journey. Welcome to Why Not Me. Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody, to Why Not Me, Turning Trials into Triumphs, Seeking and Embracing Success. I'm your host, Coach Todd Halls. I'm so grateful that you're here. Thank you so much. And I'm also grateful uh, for the guest we have on today. He, uh, from all appearances, an amazing guy. Uh, so quick background. Uh, th this is my first time actually meeting our guest, Bert. Um, I have been uh, associated with him on Facebook and, and watching uh, what he's doing with his business and, and life. And it's, it's pretty exciting. And so just invited him on. And he was gracious enough to agree to be here. So with that, Bert, would, if you would give us an introduction. Oh, thank you, Todd. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's good to get to meet you and get to speak with you a little bit prior to this. Uh, so yeah, my name is Bert Soren. I am a president and co-owner of Soren X Exercise Equipment. We're a family-owned uh, weightlifting equipment business. Uh, we've been in business for about 41 years, made in America. And we're kind of known as the innovators in the strength world from a side of uh, equipment that goes to universities, pro teams, Olympic training centers. And of course, we, we sell stuff to normal people as well. But we've kind of been known as the, the company that kind of pushes the, the envelope forward. So it's been a family owned business. It's not always been easy. In fact, it's been hard most of the time. And, um, you know, just trying to learn how to struggle well at life and, and continue to put some points on the board. So kind of who I am <laughs> yeah so if the business has been in in it's been around for 41 years I don't know your age but my guess is this has pretty much been it is that correct yes yes I'm 44 almost 45 so my father started it when I was a, obviously a little kid and so I've just grown up around it of course when you're probably sub 10 or 12 years old you have no idea what it is you know dad just goes to work and he comes home dirty and he's tired and he stresses about stuff you know so <clears throat> i would say when i was 15 years old I, I started working in the business for the first time and that was in the shop actually cutting and grinding steel and doing the, the manual labor work out there and and um, dad always said you know he didn't know if i'd want to get into the business but if i was ever going to get into it later in life i had to start at the bottom uh, earlier in life. And so when my friends had a lot of those cool jobs in high school, they were doing all the, the fun stuff I was doing, you know, man work and man labor. And um, it was very uh, influential part of my development, but also just to learn from the guys and learn the craft and just be around grown men doing grown men stuff with a, you know, a high pressure and a, and a stress level. And so that was something that, you know, I don't know sir, if I want to go back and do that in my career, but it was certainly very usable and uh, needed so yeah was there was there anybody in that group I mean your dad obviously but any of the guys you worked with that stand out as a, as an influence or a mentor to you 
Sure. There was a fellow named Dave. Um, and so he was kind of, he, he was a kid that lived down the street from my dad 10, 15 years prior. And so I think when he was in fifth grade, my dad met him and kind of started mentoring him and taking him hunting and fishing and teaching him how to build things. And, and so he kind of grew up as the, the sun before the sun kind of deal that, that pops had. And when I was a little baby. And so, um, so I'd always grown up with Dave just around the house. He was just kind of like family and, and always helped you know, mow lawns and just rando stuff like that. And then, so at that point, you know, 10, 15 years into it, Dave was running our shop and, and uh, he was kind of like a, a little version of pops. And um, so I learned a lot from him because, you know, he knew my dad, he knew the personality, he knew what the, the level that he would want and level of what Sornex was. And so for him being a good leader and teaching me and, you know, sometimes it's, it's easier to learn things from someone that isn't your dad. So it's a little bit closer. He was still 10 or 15 years older than me, but it was, um, it was kind of like a halfway house by learning from your dad. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that resonates for me right now. Our, my son, Orion is 14 and, you know, it's, it's my prayer that we, uh, we just meet the right godly men in, in this in this sphere of influence that can you know, just help raise him up because there's a lot of things he just does he just doesn't want to hear from me um, at this age. Sure, sure, you know, I I totally get it. <clears throat> it helped that I was always afraid of my dad, so that like there was always a respect level that was there, and and I would listen to him even if I disagreed, just because there was a fear factor. And then later in life, you know, more realized what that was about and realized that he did have the best you know, intentions for me. And then we, as, as I got into strength training, which was right about the same time I started a little before I started working at Sorenex uh, when I was 15. Um, so you're, you know, I was around pops in the gym all the time. So you just get around again, men doing hard things and you learn that effort and courage and, and, um, tenacity was a, a skill set and a trait that was looked highly upon by other men. And of course, when you're a kid, you want relevancy and you want to, you want to make a difference and, and you want to kind of show, you know, earn your bones kind of per se. <clears throat> so at 12 and 13 years old, I'm in a gym with a bunch of 20, 30, 40, 50 year old men. And the way that you step up and get noticed is you try really hard and you, you lift bigger weights and you, you do all the things <clears throat> etiquette wise that you need to do. You help unload plates and you help spot people and you get excited and you show up on time and you do all that type of stuff that uh, I think was, was huge in my development. So, you know, I've had a lot of mentors over the years and a lot of them have just been the people within our little village of our, of our culture. Yeah, you, you mentioned and just some of the words you used in relation to the gym and the parallels, I think, to life are, are well, undeniable, right? It's, right. It's, it, it's, it takes stress to grow. It takes, takes resistance. Um, and, and I think oftentimes we, you know, characters developed in that so that when the times are really hard, we can we can display that character and that tenacity. Exactly. It's, you know, I have three kids and sometimes they go through tougher things, whether it be disciplinary or that we're just trying to train them and, um, you know, and they'll, they'll, they'll cry or do whatever they're going to do. And, and I always kind of laugh and, you know, people are like, Oh gosh, you know, now the crying somewhat annoys me at times. I mean, I'm 
I'm, I'm okay from an empathy standpoint, but also I just, I see it as a heavy set of squats. Basically I see it as this is really hard right now. Squats are hard. They feel terrible when you're doing, but I know what comes after that. And because of that, so all you're doing right now is your heavy set of squats as a six-year-old in whatever we're learning right now. So the sooner we get through it, the sooner the set's over and the sooner you're going to get stronger and better. So, okay, cry all you want. It's a set that has to happen. And so I've had enough heavy sets of squats in my life to just know that it's never pretty and it's never fun doing it until you could finally get to the point where you realize the pain is kind of fun because you know, the result is coming after. So that's my kind of mindset on, on training and, and parenting is we got to get it in sometime. So the bar is loaded, hop, hop under it. If that means you have to do something from a disciplinary side, like I, I don't care. It doesn't really move me emotionally, <laughs> you know, cause I know it's needed. <laughs> yeah. So what, what, as you talked about the heavy set of squats, I, I get the analogy. Um, so as a, as a parent, I was just thinking about this, this crying thing today and our son's 14. So we're, you know, for the, we're by and large past that. Right. Um, but as I think back, I maybe wasn't the best at saying, you know, it's, it's okay. It's okay to cry. Um, Cause I know it's hard and I recognize that, but as a dad, sometimes um, I want to be like, what are you crying for? T- toughen up instead of that's part of the toughening up process. Right. Let's see you know, how can we help you get through it. So, um, how what are you, how old are your kids? Uh, my kids are uh, four, almost seven, and just turned nine. Okay, so there's a lot of crying still. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of crying. It's like every hour, someone's crying about something, and so. Um, yeah, I, I could I could understand why uh, like, like male bears and male lions don't usually take care of their cubs full time. Like I could understand that now. Moms are wildly uh, valuable to have to take care of kids. They're just geared differently. We're meant to protect the cave and and hunt down food, and they're meant to make sure the little cubs when they cry, um, you know, are safe. Because I could see how I could see it's just like all right enough <laughs> you know and they probably need to get it out but it's it's i'm not the best of that so you know, I, they certainly cry on my shoulder and cry on my lap when they need to but um but i also have to put them against the standard of what the world requires of them and that's not to cry about everything that happens to you that you don't like at least that's my view on it no I, yeah i'm with you completely and it seems if you if you listen to um so-called experts uh, that more and more were this, I don't know what the, if it's a tolerance culture or, or what you want to call it, but um, it seems there's less tough love, I guess would, yeah. would, would be, maybe that's not the right way to put it, but there should, obviously there needs to be the nurturing side, but at the same time, there needs to be the, the growing up side as well. Yeah. Because tough love isn't pretty and it's not, hallmark and it's not something that you could go and you hold hands you're like yeah it was so great we had this amazing time today it's like yeah everyone wants to have a good time like everyone wants to hug each other all the time and be all smiles and everything like that but again going back to the heavy set of squats they work because it's a heavy set of squats it works because it's trying to kill you and you get through it and you get stronger because you get through it you know, you, I just had the, the, the re-realization last night. I've had some 
you know, I'm 44 now. I don't lift like I used to, but I've had some little tweaky injuries and stuff. So my training was very light rep oriented, just trying to kind of work through some stuff. And then last night it was, it was like, you know what, I'm going to put some weight on the bar and I'm going to grind and I'm going to strain and I'm going to get aggressive again. And it, and it's my reps are going to drop to threes instead of twenties. And I'm going to push and I woke up this morning, my entire body, like it didn't, I wouldn't say sore, but it felt kind of like a miniature car wreck where everything, like everything, muscles, bones, joints, everything was just like, whoa, what was that? And I go, I remember that feeling. And I remember that was the feeling that I needed to grow and to get stronger. And I was just getting weaker by not stressing my body and stressing myself because I was turning into a weaker version of myself by not going through hard not getting to the other side of hard. And, you know, now I can't get to the other side of hard four days a week, like I used to, but once every week or two, it's needed, it's needed. And so that's why I keep remembering like, wow, everything that really happened in my life that was ever good or worth something was always on the other side of hard. Um, it was rarely ever given if ever. So that's where I, I, I could tough love is a little easier for me to, to do because I realize that it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's strengthening. And I've, I've realized being strong in my life has been very valuable, valuable. Yeah. How does that serve you as you're in your role as president of Sornix? Well, it's, it's a lot like parenting in many ways, right? You have to make hard decisions at times. And because now you're, you're dealing with more than you're dealing with emotions of, your employees, you're dealing with your own emotions, you're dealing with emotions and circumstances of your clientele basis, of your competitors, of everything. So there's times that I wish the tough love and cut and dry answer was more um, easily established, but we're working with people, right? It's a people business regardless. And so there's always that you have to kind of walk between the raindrops and make sure that when tough love is used, it's, it's utilized effectively. And otherwise you're just an a-hole basically. And no one wants to work or fight for an a-hole. So. Right. All right. So what is, what's your vision for Sorenex as you, as you, as you lead it into the future in the next 10 years? Ah, the vision <clears throat> It's just to keep keep converting and and changing the the human performance industry from the inside out. That was, you know, I would say initially our vision was, you know, it was a very A to B. It was, I would say it was selfish in a way. It was my dad wanting to be in and relevant within the strength world that he cared so much about, and then realized he had a gift. So by building great strength equipment, innovative strength equipment that would be utilized and used by athletes. And so thus kind of a, a um, cover charge to the, to the, to the party of the strength world, right? You're, you're now relevant and you're now doing something that's bringing something to the table. So come in, you can be a part of this industry. And I think that was the beginning because he realized he just loved the strength world so much. And he was a big, strong athlete and he had some gifts for sure. So, but that was, it was a more selfish and, and even for me too, it was how do we do this because this is going to be fun and be in the strength world. And when I came on, it was how do I help dad? Because he'd been struggling as a one man show for 20 years at the time. 
And when I came on to that, and then I started, as I got into the strength world more coming out of my track and field career, I saw some things that I thought that we could bring to the table for Sornex that were not utilized within the strength world. And then later in the career, you know, after 10 or 15 years in it myself, I said, well, I personally, and my, my group of us here, we said, well, there's even more that the strength world or the high, high performance uh, world is maybe, I would say missing, but there's, there's a lack of. And so if we're going to change it, then you can't just write an article and tell everyone to change. You have to uh, exemplify the change. You have to become valuable enough within the community and become a leader within the community where people can decide by their own free will, do they want to change things from the inside out? But you have to be successful enough for people even give a crap and pay attention. So it was a multi-step approach. Um, and I think we've done it pretty well. Um, we've been successful in many ways. And you know, so it's working. And I think, I mean, our goal is just to change and make the strength community better. And that's from a multitude of different ways. That's not just stronger. I mean, it's to get stronger is a pretty simple, easy thing to do, to be honest. It's, it's I wouldn't say easy, simple, not easy. Just quote Dan John. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways, the strength community, you know, in some, some ways I see it as a social experiment. You know, how do you change the way people have their outs, their outlook and mindset on life or mindset on training without going down the rabbit hole of training so deeply that the barbell and the weight that's on it is the only thing that matters. So you can start utilizing that as a tool to make your life better and help the people around you make a lasting impact on the people on this earth. Cause you're only here for so long. Like who cares if I squat 500, 600, 700, it doesn't really matter. Like that, that the number doesn't matter. Please never put my PR on my tombstone. That doesn't have any effect on anything. But if we realize we could utilize some success through business or through lifting or through changing lives to change more lives and to build more positivity, that's become the goal of Sornex. And that's where like a Sornex Outdoors comes in because you're bringing in a different market, you could say from business terms, but I see it just as a population of people that could now be more integrated to the human performance side, making their lives better. But then also the people from the human performance side of the house can utilize the outdoors and the truth that goes with the outdoor pursuits and then make both groups better by, by learning more from each other. So um, that's, that's my goal. My goal is to, is to move the needle in that way. Love it. What comes to mind is, well, a just, you know, when you talk about there's the strength side and the outdoor side and there's, and they're intertwined, right? One can benefit from the other and vice right. versa. One of the things I always, uh, at first it, it amazed me as people would come into the gym and maybe they hadn't, had never worked out or trained before, but they, they start lifting and um, like, like within just a few weeks, even of doing hard things on a regular basis, you'd see their posture start to change and this, like this whole new person starts to come out yep. um, that that was just covered up by by who knows what the what had been put on them, um, sure. but just the, to to watch the transformation in people's lives because of what was what they were doing in the you know in the gym and and to your point it wasn't because they weren't 
wasn't because there was a PR that needed to be on their tombstone or anything like that. Right. It was just that they were doing hard things and, and doing things to, to help themselves grow and be stronger and more resilient. And ultimately, it led to being better at life. Nailed it. Nailed it. And that when people can start realizing that's really what the gym is, they can, I believe, start valuing it more. And, and you know, if you want to get tied up for a specific period of your life to, to chase a number, I know I certainly have, you know, there are certain numbers and milestones. I mean, I, as a track and field athlete, you live your, not your life by your PR. I mean, as a hammer thrower, you're, you're not a good hammer thrower. It doesn't matter your technique or how much people like you or whatever. Are you throwing 70 meters, 75 meters, 80 meters, whatever it is, or you suck. Like there's just, just there's no hiding from it. Right. So I've had these objective PRs and numbers my whole life. And those certainly drove me at times to, to do things. Um, but then when I started realizing that the, that the relationships and the, the, um, the physical, mental, emotional, social, financial, spiritual, the health of all those tenants, as those came up, my life got better and it didn't necessarily have to do with a 600 pound deadlift. Although that was something I wanted to do at a certain time in my life. But all that is, is just a little carrot that you intentionally hang in front of you to make you push. It's like when you're hiking, you're like, well, I'm going to go to the top of that next mountain. Well, why there? Well, you could see it. You can measure it. You could go great there. Maybe the perfect place is 10 feet short of that. Ah, but we're going to go to the top of that next mountain because it's a, it's a doable thing. So I've, I've worked well on those goals, but those goals are not the goals. The goals are just mile point mile markers to, to keep you pushing forward. Yeah. You mentioned the, the different areas and um, there, there's the physical side. And I, I, I bundle that into fitness and health because it's, sure. it's you know, it's the hiking and strength, but also <clears throat> What are we feeding? You know, what are we feeding ourselves? And it's both, you know, there's the food, the nutrition side, um, but it's also what we feed our minds. Um, and and really, the I think the the, the basic rules apply. Um, try and stick with with wholesome, real real food, right? And avoid junk. And I think it's the same with what we're reading or or, or watching. One hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, because I mean, I stopped. Strangely enough, I stopped watching the news a few months ago, um, and strangely enough, my life got better. It was weird, and I try to stay off of social media as much as I can. I unfollowed a lot of people that just—I wouldn't say were bad. They just weren't adding a positive spin to my life. So when I started kind of taking out the trash, and again, I don't want that to be misconstrued as people are trash by any means, but it was just like, okay, it's like a TV show I don't really need to watch. Um, and so minimizing the input going into my mind, my eyes, my ears, and realizing that, you know, having the majority of what I'm trying to do is positive because positive ends, positive out, and you stay focused on that. And I mean, as far as like TV watching, Besides a few things, maybe on Netflix documentaries or, you know, maybe if a friend of mine is on a TV show, of course, I'll watch it to support them. I wouldn't say I've like been a TV watcher in six or seven years, maybe. Uh, I mean, my wife doesn't even let me use the remote because I always screw it up. 
and which is like cool it's like great i don't know how to use this thing here what is this all right i'm gonna go do something else uh, but I found that by doing that, I actually have time to to chase the things that that I hold dear because I, I don't need to sit in front of a box that pumps information unfiltered into my brain that isn't really moving the needle for me or anyone around myself. So nothing against TV guys, but I would say audit, audit what you're eating, right? I mean, that's your exactly your physical eating, audit what you're eating. Audit is a, is a great word. Um, yeah, exactly. So you, you know, I know you train, you run a business, you're in the outdoors. Like, how do you keep your calendar? Um, how, how do you set yourself up for success in, in, in all those areas? And, and, you, and you've got a young family and, and that's a lot of, that's a lot going on. It's a lot of balls in the air. That's probably my biggest stressor is what do you say yes to? And what do you say no to? And I know some of my buddies are like, you know, it's either a no or it's a beep. Yes. You know, for them, they're, they're either, you know, if it, if it doesn't move the needle, makes them want to love doing it, they say no to it. Um, that's nice. But when you're running a business, you, a lot of times you have to do stuff that you don't want to do. Um, you know, and that's just a part of it. I think one of the biggest pieces for me is my health, because if I don't keep my health up, I can't run at the capacity that I'm that I need and want to. So I have I get a lot of opportunities to do stuff for business or personal or family. I'm extremely blessed. The the caveat of that is is you have to be healthy enough to go do them. And you have to you're you're going to lose sleep. You're going to have long days traveling. You're going to have you know back to back to back to back meetings and stuff like that. And then still find a way to go out and take your kids quail hunting and then come back and get a workout in and then cook dinner and then do this and then spend time with your wife. And then it's like, how do you pack all that into a day? It's like, well, that's why my health is so important. That's the number one most important thing to me is to, to keep healthy because that gives me an opportunity to do these other things. So a lot of times you're just having to prioritize and weigh things out and realize, does this help the business hurt the business? Does this help the family hurt the family? Is there an opportunity in this or is this just a selfish Bert thing that I would just like to do? And then there's a certain portion of those that I do because I realize there has to be a carrot in front of my head, in front of my nose at times that just keeps me enjoying life because I can't be a slave to it. I can't just like Bert has to do everything for everyone else. He doesn't get to do anything he wants to do because I just know how I work and I go, okay, if I'm pretty pumped about doing something, I'm going to do it great. I'm going to stay in a, a flow state place where my mind is working. I'm relaxed and I could come up with some pretty amazing things. So it's just knowing yourself, right? And part of it is know thyself, know what makes you tick, know what makes you effective, what makes you effective on target. A friend of mine says, he's like, protect your magic. He's like, what you can do better than anyone else understand that and protect that like hold on to it make sure that if you know he's a a, a songwriter and, and multi-gold albums and all this other stuff and he knows in order to write great music what headspace he needs to be in and if something is taking him out of that headspace he 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 takes care of it and mitigates it immediately or pays someone to deal with it because he's like for me to get into that headspace and to be say if it's you know, a lawsuit or someone's being a jerk or whatever. And he's like, instead of me diving into that and getting some kind of hate in my heart and frustration and being mad. And then I am a jerk to my family or jerk to my band members, all this other, he's like, 
nope, I'm, I'm mitigating that as much as possible because I have to protect my magic. And I think it sounds selfish for people to, to hear that or like, oh, your magic, whatever. Hey, everybody has a strength that they could do better than most people around them. The key to success is figuring out what that is quickly or as soon as possible, tripling down on that and then learning how to protect that and then utilize that for good as much as possible. That's been, that's my opinion. That's what I've kind of found success in. I recently heard, so saying the same thing, just a different way of saying it. Um, Jared Yellen, um, who's recently been introduced into my circle, um, calls it your flame. Like we've all been gifted with the one thing that burns, that, that burns brightest. And we're the only one that has this particular yes. combination of fuels to make it burn. Anything that diminishes that flame needs to be outsourced or eliminated. Nailed it. Nailed yeah. it. And it's a hard one because it, it was a hard one for me. And it still is hard as, as a servant, it's hard for me to not feel like I'm trying to make myself more important than other people when I realize that that's a, a need, but I have to kind of put it in economic terms and go, okay, then if I don't do that and protect my magic so I could use my magic or my flame, like you said, then I'm paid too much to be ineffective. And now I'm a drain on my family and I'm a drain on my business. And I'm a drain on these people around me because the, the, the weight that I could pull best, I'm not pulling anymore. So it's now my job to stay in my lane and to stay in my flame. And that has helped me to go, okay, I could do that because I know I'm actually helping everyone around me most if I do what I do best. And kind of at whatever cost in some ways. Um, so like my, my wife, she knows that I need some quiet time, alone time, and I need to hunt and lift weights every once in a while. Like if I go too many days without lifting weights, I turn into somebody else. If I go too many days without getting in the outdoors, it's the same thing. And she goes, she goes, stop thinking it's a reward for you and realize that it's, it's maintenance. You have to do it to be you. And when she was able to kind of knock the safety off of that for me and go, Hey, you're cleared hot to go do this within reason, but realize that that's who makes you who you are, then don't be ashamed of doing it. And so that's been helpful in many ways. And, the, and another thing is just have an amazing wife, right? And that's a huge key to success. But um, so those are some of the things I've had to kind of work through to be okay with, with, um, you know, chasing my, my thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so I love what you just said. And I still come up against that um, myself. Like how should I be spending the time, you know, in, in the garage, in the gym, or, or do I need to be at work? And um, it's a great perspective that your, that your wife gives, like it's, it's maintenance accepted as such and go maintain yourself. Um, you mentioned, and I'm not always in balance with it by any means, because there's times I, I know I have to go on, like, I need to do this and this and this and this and this for somebody and whatever the team. And then you realize like, I'm running on fumes right now. And probably the best bet for me would literally to be to leave my desk at two in the afternoon, go home and take a nap, wake up and work out and be alone in the cave for a couple hours. Like, and then initially I go, okay, that's not serving my business. That's not serving my family. That's not like, it's all this other stuff. And I go, 
yeah, but I'm going to self-destruct if I don't do that. So is it pay me now or pay me later? <laughs> like, is it a little bit of maintenance right now or a catastrophic blowout, you know, a hundred miles down the road. And so when I see it as such, it makes that decision easier to make. Yeah. The, you've mentioned being a servant and serving several times. When did you develop, um, when did you develop that heart or that attitude and where, where does it come from? Well, I mean, the, the Lord is, I mean, he's, he's teaching me to be a better servant, but I'm, I'm not quite there yet. So my wife is an amazing um, mentor on that. And she's, she's quite the servant. And I, I've always chased things that I wanted to chase. And so I realized the majority of my early life was do whatever Bert wants to do, chase the adventures, get good at them on my time. And that, that served me for a long time. And then I realized later in life around mid thirties that it's a pretty empty deal. Like it's, you know, Bert wants to go hunting. Bert wants to throw far. Bert wants to lift heavy, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, there has to be more to this than just Bert being good at stuff or chasing my adventure. And so, you know, that's when I like literally settled down, you know, I, I married my wife, like we started having kids and the whole nine. I was like, okay, I want to this this great life that I've created, I want to give it to someone else and make it better for someone else and, and not be so selfish because prior to that, it was, if it didn't really suit me, I just didn't do it or, or got out or did it as fast as possible. So I could get back to zero to do whatever the heck I wanted to do. And it's a, it's an immature thing, you know, until you realize that who, who's that, you know, okay, when I die one day, what are they going to go? Wow. Bert looked like he had a really good time. Like, what did I leave behind? What kind of seeds did I put in the ground? What kind of, did I change anyone's life? Did I make anyone's life better? And you kind of realize you're like, probably not. And that was something that just sat with me. And I was like, well, that can't be the case. I'm too gifted and too blessed with so many amazing things I have in my life just to, you know, to take it all and not, not, uh, you know, reseed it. So that's kind of when things changed. Cool. Cool that you had that, that awareness. Uh, I echo the sentiments about marrying Mary, an amazing wife. That's has yeah. <laughs> worked really well for me. Yeah. Um, and then also that you used, um, you used the, the term teaching. The Lord is teaching. It's an ongoing process. Um, mm-hmm. as we, as we you know, do that faith walk and that journey and relationship. So cool. Hey, as we, as we wrap up, if you, what what, if you could boil down life's wisdom into a sentence or two, or or even a question that you would you would have the listeners ask themselves, what what should we be pondering as as we as we go forward? Wow, put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, it just feels and, and what things I've read and things I've experienced that everyone is is trying to be relevant. You know, if you I'm sure you've read the book Wild at Heart and uh, answering those questions. And, and I, I read that years ago and it always stuck with me that, you know, every, that's what everyone's trying to ask. Are they good enough? Do they are they relevant? Are they, you know, and you see all these counterfeits of the way people are trying to accomplish that. And what I would just say is, you know, it's a probably a good question to ask yourself. And 
but you realize to be relevant, or at least I realized, in order to be truly relevant is, are you doing, are you valuable to someone else, not valuable to yourself? And that was when it was, I realized, although I was good at a lot of stuff, that my relevancy was very short lived because I was good at the stuff. I enjoyed the the spoils of that until I started investing that stuff in other people. Because if I die 10 minutes from now, I know I've seeded in a lot of what I would consider pretty good stuff into this world, or at least I've sure tried, where I can't always say that that's always been the number one goal. Um, and then because of that, then my my piece of the work that I've done here is 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 there, but there's also, I mean, to quote a good friend of mine, Laura Zara, she said, if I die tomorrow, I'm okay with it. But if I live to 150 years old, it's not long enough. And so that's was a beautiful way to put it. Like, I want to be on this ride as long as possible. And I want to give as much as I can and have great times and whatever. But I also am trying to make sure my bar tabs paid up every day that that I've I'm in good standing as, as my friend Tate Fletcher says I'm a citizen I'm a citizen in good standing of the world every day that um, and I think that was just a beautiful way to put it absolutely uh, I'm gonna jot down that saying and make sure I got it if I die tomorrow I'm okay but if I live to be 150 it's not long enough hard to beat sure it. Hard, <laughs> hard hard to beat that, hard to beat that. cool Cool, cool. So where can, if our, if the listeners want to find you, find your company, where where do they go to to do so? Uh, you can go to, if you're on Instagram or Facebook, it's Bert Sorin, B-E-R-T-S-O-R-I-N. Uh, of course, check us out on Sorinex.com, S-O-R-I-N-E-X.com. Also, we have Sorinexoutdoors.com. Both of those we have on Instagram. And uh, if you're more into the lifting stuff, that we have Sorenex Squattober that we started, the Squattober movement, which is the world's largest squat party in October. We have Sorenex Dead December. This is the same for deadlifts during dead, during December. So just trying to pull people together and get them um, moving and living their best life, and uh, that's what we're about. That's what we what we try to do. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I appreciate your your time your wisdom your input here um yeah just grateful grateful to know you uh listeners uh would would love to see you back here next time please uh check out uh sorenex.com uh follow bert on instagram uh check back in here as i asked until next time everybody remember whatever you're thinking of whatever you're dreaming of whatever you want to accomplish you can peace to you thanks todd Well, thank you so much for listening. For even more on turning trials into triumphs and seeking and embracing success, go to toddhalls.life. That's toddhalls.life. And I look forward to serving you. Until next time, be strong, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful. Peace to you.